Happy New Year. I'm having deja vu. <laughs> this feels like our first Sunday of just live stream only in 2020 because for some reason I was the guy that navigated that Sunday as well. And here we are with almost an empty room due to a really icy parking lot. But it is so good to be with you. And the few of you that are seated here this morning, welcome. I hope that you had wonderful Christmas celebrations and are excited for the new year. 2021, like 2020, had many challenges, but it was also filled with some really, really wonderful moments. One thing in particular that for me was incredibly special was the launch of our Impact Initiative. Over the years, MVC has had this incredible legacy of investing in the community and our Impact Initiative to expand this facility space so we can have greater kingdom impact was something that was really special to me because it stood out as a commitment to an ongoing mission that God has called us to. Kind of as an aside, prior to Christmas, our elders met to talk about where we're at with the Impact Initiative and where we're going and, and what the plans are moving forward. And the, the elders, elders prayerfully came together to wrestle with this and really believe that the Lord is calling us to stay the course, to continue moving forward, to continue to raise the funds that will allow us to increase this space so that we can better love and serve and invest in this community. And that is so, so exciting. And so this morning, I encourage you to continue praying about that. I encourage you to continue praying about how God might lead you and your family to invest in this opportunity. And we trust that God will surprise us in some incredible ways as we move forward. Speaking of surprises, I'm surprised to be preaching this morning. Pastor Pete was supposed to be preaching this morning, but Pastor Pete has been under the weather, and so I got the call saying, David, you're up. So here I am preaching what I wasn't expecting to be preaching to an empty room. What a weird way to start 2022. But I believe it is going to be an incredible, incredible year, and I'm so excited for this morning because we are starting a three-week series on the Holy Spirit. This is going to be an important series because oftentimes we talk about God the Father, we talk about Jesus, his son, but for whatever reason, we don't often talk about the Holy Spirit quite as much. There certainly is this mystery around the Holy Spirit, and so it's important for us to spend time talking about, studying, and reflecting on who the Holy Spirit is. It's important for us to remember that God exists three in one, his Trinitarian nature, and so as we focus on the Holy Spirit, it will allow us the opportunity to do that. I personally have been fascinated by the Holy Spirit. The idea that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, that the Holy Spirit empowers us, equips us to live these missional lives is really, really incredible to me. The empowerment of the early church at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is this beautiful and incredibly profound experience of the Holy Spirit coming in. The Spirit comes in and blows in like this rushing wind. We see the Holy Spirit fall upon the disciples, the early church here has these tongues of fire, and then they begin to speak in these language, languages that are not their native languages, but these languages that all these people around them are familiar with. And they hear these words in their own tongue. Talk about an incredible empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And while you and I might not have experienced an empowerment of the Holy Spirit quite like that, 
the Holy Spirit continues to empower us and call us into active ministry. And this is in spite of or perhaps in response to the challenges that we encounter as followers of Christ. The Holy Spirit continues to work in us in the midst of these challenges. And in the book of John chapter 20, just a few chapters before we see this this encounter at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we read about Jesus equipping his disciples with the Holy Spirit. And there's this sense of foreshadowing what is going to come at Pentecost. And that's where we're going to dive in to Scripture this morning. And so I invite you, if you have your Bible with you, to open to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The word of the Lord. A little bit of context for this passage. As we know, Jesus has been crucified. He has been buried. And here in John chapter 20, we hear about the resurrection. We read about what happened when Jesus rose on the third day. Mary Magdalene, early on this Sunday morning, the first day of the week, she goes to Jesus' tomb to take care of probably some final burial preparations. The Sabbath was the day before, and so some of these preparations, these things that were um, planned, things that needed to take place, they were unable to do, as was the custom. And so she goes to the tomb, and when she gets there, she meets a surprise. The tomb is empty. And so she goes and she gets to the disciples, Simon Peter, and the one who is described as the one whom Jesus loved, which is believed to be John. And they come and they enter the tomb and they see what Mary has told them is true. The tomb is, in fact, empty. This was an important thing to take place from a verification standpoint, because within the culture, women were not considered to be credible witnesses. And so she went and she got these disciples and they came and they saw what Mary had seen herself They see this empty tomb, and so the disciples, they return to their homes with this information. Jesus is not in the tomb. And with this information, they go back to their places of residence, excited. Now, there certainly is plenty in those verses that we could unpack, but what happens in this next section, here's your your Bible study word for the day, in the next pericope in the next group of verses this next section it really sets the stage for what we see taking place in verses 19 19 through 23 so starting in verse 11 we see that mary magdalene encounters jesus but this initial encounter is a surprise to her she goes and she sees this tomb is initially empty and she stays there and she weeps but she looks at the tomb and she sees what she sees angels there She sees angels there. How incredible would that be? An empty tomb, and then you see these angels, and the angels ask why she's crying, and she says that she's crying because they've taken his body, and she doesn't know where the body has been taken. And as she says this, she turns, and she sees Jesus. But she doesn't recognize him. 
Have you ever had one of those moments where you were in a different place, a different context, and you saw somebody that you knew, but you didn't put two and two together at first? It took you a moment to realize that the person that you were seeing was, in fact, that, that friend of yours or that coworker of yours. Why was my friend from Maple Valley in Austria? Why was my best friend from elementary school here now in my hometown? Here's, here's Mary seeing Jesus, thinking that Jesus is not himself, but rather the gardener. Until Jesus clarifies who he is. He assures her that it's him and she recognizes him. And then Jesus says this, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary goes and tells the rest of the disciples this important news, confirming Jesus' resurrection but also that he is still physically, for the time being, with them. It's with these experiences and this insight that on the first evening of the week, Easter evening, if you will, Jesus appears to the disciples in verse 19. The disciples are gathered together in this secured room. This was still a time of mourning and grief. The first seven days after a person's death, were a time of significant and very intentional grief and mourning. But on top of that, there was still fear for followers of Jesus. They had avoided arrest with Jesus in the garden, but fear still remained that their lives were at risk. The disciples were gathered together lacking peace, and they were feeling powerless. Their teacher their friend, the person whom they had given up everything to follow was gone. And so perhaps too did they feel like their purpose was gone. We know from earlier in this chapter that Peter and John observed the empty tomb and the resurrection. But Jesus was not with them at this point. He was gone, perhaps. He was not in the tomb. Resurrection had taken place, but they had not experienced him. Things were radically different for the disciples on this first day of the week. And they were going to be radically different moving forward. Can you relate to that? Can you think of a time in your life where you lost someone or something, perhaps a position, a job, something that was significant to you, that left you without peace, that left you feeling powerless, perhaps as if you had no purpose? I can relate to the disciples' decision to lock themselves in this house or in this room, to wrestle with their feelings in this new reality. They sought safety from the threats that were around them. I'm not sure if this is because I'm an introvert or if this is true for most people, but for me, when things start to feel out of control, I start to withdraw. I put up barriers. I want to lock myself away because it feels like an act of self-preservation. It feels like things are safer, like things are more secure. But what we see here in this account from John is that in spite of their seemingly secure location, Jesus enters in. Verse 19, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Think about this. The disciples had secluded themselves in this location to keep people away, trying to keep people out, and here is Jesus standing among them. Jesus was not stopped by locks 
or by doors. His resurrection body is superior to the bodies than those that we walk around in today. And it's in this resurrection body that Jesus confronts the disciples and says, peace be with you. If I'm being totally honest with you, I probably would freak out a little bit. Jesus shows up inside my locked house. I appreciate the peaceful greeting, Jesus, but where did you come from? I can't tell you the number of times, Sarah, you can attest to this, that I've unintentionally startled Pastor Pete or Sarah by walking into their office when they weren't looking at the open doorway. It has happened time and time again. I guess I'm stealthy like that, but here is Jesus coming into this locked house. The doorway was not open. The door was closed. And here's Jesus entering into this room. And he did what it took to reassure them. He showed them. He showed them his hands. He showed them his side. Later on in the chapter, we see that Thomas is doubting that this is, in fact, Jesus. And so he, he puts Thomas's hand in his side. He has him touch the holes in his hands. When the disciples realize that this is Jesus, they are overjoyed to see him. And then once again here in verse 21, Jesus says, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He reassures the disciples and then gets down to the heart of his visit. Jesus first identifies himself with his Father, reaffirming the, the authority of his work, and in whose name the disciples are sent out on mission, the mission of spreading the gospel. What we see here is a commissioning really in the same vein, very similar to what we see when Jesus gives the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. And here Jesus is coming in to this house after his resurrection to the disciples to, in a sense, commission them. And verse 22 is where this beautiful encounter really starts to take shape. I love what Jesus does here in verse 22. It says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's so many wonderful things in this verse. First of all, in peace, Jesus empowers the disciples for the purpose to which they are called and he does so in the same way that Jesus empowers humankind with life. In Genesis, as they are created, God breathes life into our human flesh. And here Jesus comes and he breathes the Holy Spirit into the disciples. And by this breath, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. This is this beautiful foretaste of things to come at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When the disciples in the early church are equipped and empowered for mission, a mission to go and make more disciples. Moments before the disciples were in a locked house without peace, feeling powerless and most likely questioning their purpose because Jesus was gone. What do we do now? And now they have been given peace and they have been empowered and their purpose has been restored. 
They are to go and make disciples, offering an invitation by the power of the Holy Spirit to Christ where forgiveness and restoration can be found. And just like the disciples, we all find ourselves at times lacking peace. And so we try to escape, to hide away, to find security wherever we can. There are times where we feel afraid, times when we feel powerless. We allow fear to drive our decisions. We allow it to commandeer our thoughts. And there are times when we all question our purpose. What am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? If you are not experiencing one of these thoughts today, a day will come when you will lack peace, or you will feel powerless or without purpose. Then you might try to hide away or bury those feelings or those thoughts or consider just giving up. You might want to lock the door to keep others out. But here is the beautiful, beautiful thing. You can run, but you can't hide. You can lock yourself away, but he will enter in. You can put up walls, but he will tear them down. And he will find you because he loves you. He will find you because you are his. He will find you because he has a great plan for your life. And that plan includes peace and power and purpose. And he wants to give you all of those things and so much more by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are living in a day and age where we are hyper aware of what we breathe in and what we breathe out. Knowing that viruses can infiltrate our systems and in turn we can breathe those viruses out and they can infiltrate others. I love that the Greek word for Holy Spirit is pneuma. But also that the Greek word for breath is pneuma. And I love this because the Holy Spirit was breathed into the disciples and they in turn breathed the peace and the power and the purpose of God into the lives of others by the power of the Holy Spirit. As God infiltrates our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, God uses us to breathe these same truths into the lives around us. God uses us to help break down walls and to open doors and to soften hearts. When we're locked up, afraid, and thinking we're on our own, Jesus stands with us, giving us his peace and his power and his purpose. And then he sends us to give peace and power and purpose to others. When the disciples tell people about what Jesus has done, They do so in the name of Jesus. They do so by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we now speak as his followers in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are doing the same exact thing. And Jesus is speaking through us. He is healing and forgiving and reconciling. As a church, we have a really long history of being used in this way by God. Of breathing in the Holy Spirit and breathing out the good news. Nearly 40 years of teaching scripture, of generations proclaiming truth to one another and to those around us, of speaking peace to one another and speaking, to peace, speaking peace to those in our community, of empowering the next generation to boldly live into their faith at school and with their friends. We talk a lot at MVC about being the body of Christ, about being his hands and feet. But we as the church are also his lungs. 
And every time we read scripture, every time we pray together, every time we worship, we breathe him in. And every time we serve or give or encourage another by the power of the Holy Spirit, we breathe the good news of the gospel back into those around us. Oftentimes, breaking through those things that are keeping people at bay, those things that are keeping people in places where they feel as though they're without peace, where they're feeling powerless, where they're feeling as though they have no sense of purpose. Just as Jesus did with the disciples who were in a room that was locked. In a culture that is so focused on what we are breathing in and breathing out, perhaps this can serve as a reminder of being filled with the Spirit and our ability to share the Spirit of God with others. Think about that. When you think about what it is that you are breathing in, and how that might impact you, and what you are breathing out, and how that might impact someone else. What if each and every time you thought about that, that was a reminder of how you can breathe in God. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can breathe him back out into the lives of others. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for breathing your Spirit into us that we might be empowered to do your, will, your work and your will. That we, we might be empowered to share peace with others. That we might empower others to go out on mission for you. That by your Holy Spirit, we might break down doors, tear down walls, and share your good news with those that are hurting. Lord God, I pray that in a very intentional, very tangible sort of way, in the midst of the world that we are in today, a world where we are so focused on our breath, that might be a very tangible reminder for us of an opportunity to breathe you in and breathe you out to those around us, that they might know you more deeply, love you more completely, and live life in you more fully. We thank you for today, this time of worship, this time of praise, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.